welcome to Let's Talk About Live Shopping, a series dedicated to unraveling the intricacies, and we know there are a lot of them, in the live shopping phenomenon. I'm your host, Cynthia Nelson, three-time entrepreneur, Forbes contributor, investor, and advisor. Today, I have the sincere pleasure of talking to Carissa Price, former VP Walmart Marketing, Food, Consumables, and Health and Wellness. Good morning, Carissa, and thank you for joining us. Good morning, Cynthia. Happy to be here. You know, you were so early in direct marketing industry. I mean, I remember way back, you were the CMO in, in, uh, of Inglesi Barreras, and I believe you were the biggest advertiser, like by far, on Univision. What learnings can you share from those early days that are still relevant today in this whole new phenomenon of live shopping? It's a great question, Cynthia, and I think connecting the dots that way is super smart. Uh, Lexicon Marketing, which was the parent company of Inglesi Barreras, was the largest advertiser in the U.S. Hispanic market for multiple years and very early in the direct response. It was a direct response company. We measured everything. So what today's parlance calls performance marketing, we were doing way back when in an omni-channel way. And we were a brand that direct response built with the largest buyer on Univision, Telemundo. If there was a Spanish language media outlet, we were on it. But we measured everything. And I think that's the key if you think about today, what is old is new. Live shopping, whether it happens on social media, whether it happens on TV, wherever it happens, is essentially a direct response game. What do I mean by that? What can we learn? You need to measure everything. You need to know your metrics for success. So, you know, we were a brand that was built over time, but we weren't just buying media to have a brand presence. We were actually generating calls to a call center or generating clicks into a marketing funnel. And we knew our metrics for every aspect of that funnel. So if we were investing, for example, in a new product or um, a new launch or even new talent, we knew what the metrics had to be on a per unit PL basis. And we were working towards that. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the first time we ran something, some creative, it actually worked. But we were looking at that funnel very precisely to say, look, is there the potential for that to scale? What is that telling us? And I think that's super important if we think about live shopping today. There's a lot of brands out there who are investing a large amount of money in production, for example, without a clear picture of what has to be true in order for that level of production investment to make sense. So I think we can actually you know, talk about that as we go along here, but it's a key component in the live shopping part of it. The other piece is talent. So Inglésia Barreras was an English as a second language product for Spanish speaking adults. We did all kinds of creative, which we created in house. We had our own media buying, we had our own creatives, we did everything ourselves. And we could run a commercial with Placido Domingo mm -hmm. or Ricardo Mantovan, or we could run a commercial with customers who actually were giving testimonials. We found on an ROI on a CAC basis that it's the testimonial commercials very cheap to produce that far outperformed any of the big celebrities that we paid large amounts of money for. That didn't mean we didn't keep investing right. in the brand, if you will, in those celebrity endorsements. We did it for brand reasons, but we had very clear, again, KPIs to understand what could we expect if we ran that, if we paid X for the talent and the production, what would we see over time? How long did it have to run? And what would we have to see? And we had different expectations. So again, back to measure, measure, measure. And then I think the third piece that's relevant to live shopping today is to know your target audience. We were 100% focused on Spanish speaking market in the US. But in order to pursue growth over time, we knew we also had to expand into bilingual Hispanics, younger generation Hispanics. But we took that core brand that we had built 
We understood who the audience was and we had built trust over time so that as we launched new products, we launched, I created eight new products and services in eight years. That's one a year. Every single one of those was profitable because we followed that same model and we had built trust with the community. We understood what it meant to be in relationship with them over time. And that was really a crucial factor. I think in the live shopping world today, people have to take that long time view to say, what community am I building? What audience am I building? And how do I make sure that I'm delighting them in my first interactions with them so that they want to keep coming back and having that experience with us over time, um, which is not a one and done right? But it gives you great opportunities and efficiencies as you go over time, if you know your audience and build that trust. That that's all about the conversion, right? Like everything, you know, as a marketer, you see brands across the spectrum using Shopple Video to drive conversion. And then you hear a lot of these, oh my God, we spent $200,000 doing X, Y, and Z, and we got no conversion. Well, they you did it once, and then you expected to have conversion with consumers. And I don't think they were also looking at where else they got brand lift. Yeah, On exactly. the day that they did that, they expected all this conversion in live, but then VOD sometimes actually has a spike afterwards. And then even weeks after you could take a snippet of that live that's now a VOD and throw it out again and have another spike. You know, and what happened, the brand relevance, the brand affinity, the awareness side, I, I don't think there's been a lot of, we do it in all these other areas, but I don't think we've done it really well in live. We've just stayed to like how many people came on the platform, how many people watched it, and how many people purchased. And that's, that's right. a very small portion as you're talking about funnel. That's a very small portion of the funnel. Completely, Cynthia. And I think, you know, having spent also three years at Walmart and understanding how we measure media and media performance. I think the MMM models need to expand to include this new channel. And in ways it's gonna be hard. It's already hard to measure um, omni-channel marketing. This is gonna create a need to really tease that apart and understand again, how is it playing in your ecosystem? How are you building brand? But and most importantly, how are you building sales? Because I think you can also get sloppy on the other side and say, oh, we can't measure it. So we're just going to go for brand awareness affinity. And then you overinvest in production and talent. And then you look at the results and say, okay, well, I sold $6. Like, right. screw it. In a world, especially of you know constricted marketing budgets, yeah. it becomes more and more important, which is why I shared in my example of your question about what did we learn? The basics of direct response advertising are the same as performance marketing today. Yeah. You need to know your KPIs. That doesn't mean per your point, right? That you can't take a, a larger look at that, but you can't also use it to be lazy and to say, oh, well, I'm going to keep investing in this because I'm building brand. No, you need to do both. You yeah. need to build, just like you do in performance marketing, you need to understand the brand metrics, but you also need to understand the sales metrics and are you building towards it for your point, right? There's a bunch of activations you can do that won't directly result in the sales that you want in time one, but it gets to, you know, I think the larger thing, and I've heard you speak about it in some of your other um, efforts on live shopping, right? What's your content distribution strategy? Right. What are you doing to make sure that that production value is truly captured across your ecosystem, that it isn't just I'm measuring what happened in that live stream and that live commerce, that I've actually got a plan up front of how am I going to amortize my production values across multiple channels and touch points to build to the sale? And then how do I measure that? How do I know if it's working? And again, we're early in this compared yeah. to China. It's a yeah. very early days. Yeah. So I think it takes some creativity. But I'm a firm believer, as you know, uh, uh, 
you can measure anything. Put your mind to it, you can measure anything. And that's super important as we start this off, because it'll be a shame if people came away with the experience of, oh, well, we couldn't make it work. Yeah. So we're just going to abandon it altogether. It's what customers want from us. It's what consumers, it is the next generation of shopping. Yeah. And we just need to figure it out as an industry. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, you know, you were at, like you mentioned, you were at Walmart and you kind of saw the first testing of live shopping. Like what, what's, what can you share, you know, related to those experiences? Well, as you heard me say, one, know your metrics up front. Um, two, know that you have to invest to build that. Very few people came to our initial live streams. It's still a growing channel, if you will, here in the U.S. So don't be deterred by that. I think the third piece is you need to work with people who understand direct marketing, understand direct-to-consumer performance marketing. This is a numbers game. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand those tricks of the trade, if you will, which I think in the past people say, oh, that's just late-night TV. But it wasn't. Um, there was a, there's a lot of brands out there that made a lot of money understanding the basics of who is the right talent? How do you know how to sell a product? How do you demonstrate that product? How do you, in this new world, right, interact with the audience? Because it is, in many cases, live and it's that social media component. How do you use that to your advantage, right? We were experimenting with that because we had never done it before. Mm -hmm. But there are people out there like myself. I was unusual in the Walmart marketing group because I did have direct response experience. Yeah. But most corporate marketers don't have that. They don't have even performance marketing experience. Why I see sort of this bifurcation of digital marketers and brand marketers. Yeah. Most corporate brand marketers don't have that in their blood. But there are people out there who do, who can help shape these programs up front so you don't overinvest. So you do have the right plan. You do think through how do I use this content across multiple channels and how do I make sure that I can show to my CFO that I'm on a path to profitability, that this is going to generate sales over time, right? With Walmart, we were investing early because we wanted to put the Walmart brand in the culture and the culture in the brand. And we could see that potential being a global retailer. We have operations in China. We've been doing it in China for many years. Um, and we wanted to be at the forefront of doing that. And it continues to grow as part of Walmart's marketing and e-commerce strategy. Um, but there's a lot to, to learn there. I think the last piece too is do your due diligence on the platform. A lot of, I think the um, lack of uptake in the US is because there's still a lot of friction in that transaction for the consumer. Yeah. It's not yet developed to the place it is in China for a variety of different reasons. Mm -hmm. as a frictionless experience. Mm -hmm. So you might get on, you might be excited, you might watch the show, but you can't easily check out or you can't easily share something or you can't right. easily get delivery. And I think those are pieces that over time as the industry matures, yeah. we'll work through, but the platforms are still working that out. And even though they might tell somebody, oh yeah, we've got that. The experience needs some optimization, I'd say. And I, I've even seen it with clients where like, you know, there was an opportunity to do in in video checkout and they were like no 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 we need to send it to our checkout it's like no 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 that's a huge friction piece you just stuck in front of me as a consumer and now I'm like oh yeah I'll go put it in my basket but eh, I might not come back I might mm. and I just went off the video yeah. I just lost that whole enthusiasm that whole you know authenticity that whole engagement that I was having that's with right. that host and person to go to a page that's now a checkout page it, it really like stunts, I think, the the consumer activation and, and getting them through to sale. 
I mean, you know, putting it your basket's fine, but abandoned basket email coming back to me, I don't really care. Um, yeah, didn't mention I think that's spot on, Cynthia. Yeah, I, I, I thought about, and we've seen it a couple of times where clients just absolutely, you know, wanted it that way, no matter what, even though it was a friction, they just, that's how we want it. It's like, okay, okay, we'll see how that goes. But uh, you kind of mentioned, you know, having the right people and this bifurcation of direct marketers, you know, people who actually know activation that way and the brand marketers, there's the, it feels like there's this opportunity or a whole, I'll say opportunity of professional services kind of coming in, experts SWAT team kind of coming in and playing a part to build those more holistic strategies on video commerce versus just having, you know, shoppable commerce at as a one-off. I mean, what's your opinion? I totally agree, Cynthia. I think it is a key moment for professional services, for people who have that experience. Again, at Lexicon, we did this as the nature of what our company was. Yeah. Most people don't have that in the brand world, right? And so we were designing experiences before that term ever existed because we knew that we wouldn't get our conversion and we couldn't right. retain our customers right. if we didn't design end to end. And then right. whenever we launch something, as I said before, continue to watch at each step of the funnel of what's happening and tweak what's necessary. I think right now for big brands, even small brands and retailers, bringing in the right people to help them understand upfront, what are those potential friction points designed for a frictionless journey right. and then tweak as you go along is gonna be super important because I've seen a lot of brands, including the one I worked for, invest a lot of money. And you can chalk that up to learning and that's great, but you could also accelerate or optimize your learning so that you actually have a chance to get to a positive ROI, have a chance to learn the pieces that are still needing to be learned of how exactly do we do this in the US, right? right. We have a different culture. We have a different yeah. demographic. We have different digital experiences that people are used to, we need to understand those parts should be what our learning plan is, not the most basics of designing a frictionless experience yeah. uh, for live commerce. And I think that's the real opportunity of bringing in professional services um, like uh, you offer is to really get that expertise up front so that you've got the right content distribution strategy. So you've got the right talent. So you've got the right production value. So you've got the right offer with the right pricing, with the right promotion, et cetera. It's, it's basic, but if you haven't had the experience, it's not so basic. And I think having a voice at the table for your you know, example, Cynthia, of, hey, we're doing it this way. I get that the e-commerce people wanted to dump into the shopping cart because that makes their lives easier, but yeah. that's not what this test is about in time one. This test is about, can we actually acquire the customers and convert them and understand what those metrics are? Then we'll get to the longer tail of, well, I want to acquire them in my loyalty program, or I want right. to acquire them right. into my database to retarget. Great. That's a step two. Yeah. If our real thing that we want to learn is, how do we have a positive ROI? How do we have a CAC that we can live with and grow? Because that's the only way you can scale it. I mean, frankly, there's otherwise you're just doing test, 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 and it's not going to really create any any significant activation. Nobody wants to continue. I mean, nobody did Facebook twice and was like, oh, this sucks. I'm not doing it anymore. You know, just it's like it's been going it's 10 years, right? 10 years more or more in the making. Well, this has been super, super great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and of course your expertise.
and we will talk soon. Thanks, Cynthia. Great to see you. Have a great day. You too. Ciao.